and I'm building a foundation beneath me that will one day provide me with something so much greater than any label society could put on me. As you guys know, I'm all about eating a whole foods diet and supplementing when necessary for optimal health and wellness. That's why I'm so passionate about a favorite brand of mine and sponsor of the podcast, Cured Nutrition. Cured Nutrition offers hemp and CBD products that can enhance your daily wellness routine and aid in your health journey. Their products are organically grown, vigorously tested, and responsibly sourced in their home base of Colorado. And in case you're like I was just a few months ago, confused as to what CBD, hemp, or any of this means, let me explain. Hemp is in the same group as cannabis, but contains less than 0.3% of THC. It has been used and consumed by humans for ages and is a great source of plant-based protein, rich in essential amino acids, and supplies healthy omega-3 and 6 fats. Cured offers a variety of hemp products, like their hemp hearts that you can sprinkle on meals, blend in a smoothie, or bake into cookies. And the product I use daily is their mint hemp oil. I take a dose each morning and have seen immense relief of that early morning anxiety that so many of us can experience. More so, I firmly believe it's helped with my joint pain, which is something I've struggled with for two plus years now. In my last three months of testing cured products, I have seen drastic improvement. No more stretching four times a day just to relieve my joints, and I'm serious on that one. Now CBD, aka cannabidiloy, did I say that right? <laughs> it's a natural compound that is found in hemp and similar to THC, yet is not non-psychoactive. So no, it does not get you high. Cured has so many options for this too. Everything from a body salve, to dog treats, cookie dough, gel caps, and my personal favorites, the Zen and Rise capsules. I take the Cured Zen capsule every night for deep sleep and improved digestion. Thanks to their blend of CBD, magnesium, and super herbs such as ashwagandha and chamomile, I get a deep night's sleep plus the improved digestion from magnesium. The Cured Rise capsules are perfect for morning and act as like a natural stimulus to get you going. The blend is caffeine-free but composed of focus aids such as rhodiola and ginseng to craft the ideal nootropic supplement. Now I really need this with my fatigue. That early morning, it just gets me going, gets my brain alert, and I'm ready for the day. If you'd like to learn more about Cured Nutrition and their products, you can find them at curednutrition.com. And if you'd like to try a product or two, Go ahead and use my code, Let's Thrive, to save $10 on your first order of $50 or more. Now there's no better time than the present to try something new and see the benefits of cured nutrition in your life. Hi there, and welcome back to Let's Thrive. I'm your host, Emily Feichels, and I'm not too certain what episode this is because... It is a solo episode, and we're just kind of rolling with the punches to see what works here. So I've wanted to do this episode for a long time now because I think it's something important, and it's something that I, quite frankly, do not want to type out in a little Instagram caption. So what better way than use my main medium of podcasting? Plus, it's a good opportunity for you guys to get to know me a bit better, if there's anyone new to the podcast, if there's anyone just curious, you know, maybe you haven't been with me since the beginning, and this should just clear a lot of things up about why I, Emily Feichels, a currently 19, albeit almost 20-year-old, is doing this crazy thing called life the way that I am. So, today's topic is breaking the stigma, and this is something I've had to work through quite a bit lately because... You know, and I say this in a joking tone, but I am officially a college dropout and chronic hep C patient, which, you know, maybe that means nothing to you, but if you have a sense of humor, you'll get what I mean when I say typically the term college dropout does not have a good rap, and if you know anything of hep C and how it is usually transferred, it does not always have the best rap either, which is funny to me that I wound up in this situation. Now, don't get me wrong, I do not label myself. You will never hear me refer to myself besides in this funny joke of an interview right now that I am a college dropout. I did not drop out, I withdrew, got all my money back, and I will explain that story, you know, momentarily 
and I am a chronic hep C patient, not because of the typical drug use, uh, sexual activities, needles, tattoos, any of the usual ways of transference. It was actually a rather ironic and, I guess, kind of sad uh, occurrence that happened, and I will explain that as well. But I just wanted to give a light tone to this because I want you to know I do not take this personally. I do not take anything too heavily unless, you know, it really hits home. And so, you know, these topics are kind of like light topics to me. They're a joke. They're something I've had to work through, something I've put a lot of personal development, growth, work into uh, to work past limiting beliefs and bad thoughts, you know, about circumstances. So know that I take this all with a grain of salt. You should too. I'm not, you know, upset about it and I don't think any of this would upset you. If you have an issue with it, like message me. I'd love to discuss things. So to start off, I guess like I would any other guest, let me introduce myself. I am Emily Feichels, a 19, albeit almost 20 year old, with a blog, Instagram, and podcast all geared towards educating and inspiring others to live a plentiful and healthful life and so that they can truly thrive on life, which is my Instagram handle. If you want to follow me at thrive underscore on life, there's my plug. And so I live in middle of nowhere, middle of the forest, Pennsylvania, the closest Whole Foods about two hours away, and I'm lucky if I can get organic spinach at my local store. So not your typical location and scenario for a health guru, but you know, I make do. I currently live at home after I withdrew from college, a story I will be explaining rather soon. I live with my brother and my dad. I lost my mom when I was young, a story I will explain upon in a bit. I take care of my 14 rescue cats and two dogs, one of which is a rescue. Yes, hearing those numbers may make you think I'm crazy, but I reassure you I am not. More so, I am an empath with a huge heart. And when, quite literally, all of these cats showed up at my doorstep, either starving, brutally attacked, abandoned, dying, in half of the cases, I could not turn them away, and I was not going to subject them to an animal shelter where they would be given the basic needs to live, and that is all. I wanted to provide more for them and care for them, so we did. That was a little off-ramp, I'm sorry. Uh, let's see, my favorite foods, avocado chocolate, fruit. I don't know. Honestly, I don't pick favorites because I think that's so limiting. Like, why pick favorites when you can, like, who the hell came up with the term favorites? And I know I use the term favorites, but honestly, like, when it comes to food or colors, I just, I don't want to pick a favorite. I mean, I think it changes. Like, some days you like this, some days you don't. So, I'm, I'm just going to skip that part. I, I don't really have favorites. I have a lot of likes and a lot of dislikes. I dislike dieting. You know, I dislike, I dislike the current health world of trends and all these fad, fad diets, I suppose, and privy, you know, I've, I've been subject to them myself, but I try to focus on the more 360 approach of spiritual, mental, and physical health. Yeah, so that's just kind of my philosophy. I don't know. I guess I'm kind of rambling now. I'm going to quit introducing myself because you should already know who I am. And if you don't, I'm sorry, but you can check out more on my Instagram. Let's dive right into this. So the first stigma that we need to break is the shame and the philosophy around college dropouts or college withdrawals, which is a word you don't hear often, but I think it is the term that should be used more so. Ever since I was a kid, I remember wanting to be an entrepreneur even though I did not know what that meant. Now, this is another side rant, but why the hell are we asking 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16-year-olds what they want to do for the rest of their life? Yes, like, why? I don't understand. I mean, I I get it's like a conversation, but honestly, it puts, it puts like subconscious pressure on these kids to, like, decide what major they want to go to that determines the rest of their life. And no, it does not. But when you invest, like, 60000 or more or less into a college degree, like, you know, I don't know. It kind of puts you in a box. Anywho, when people asked me that as a little kid, so annoying, I would always say, like, I wanted to be a hairdoer, 
which means a hairdresser. You know, I wanted to be, I wanted to own my own kitchen. I wanted to own my own cafe. I always wanted to work for myself. I didn't realize at the time that's what an entrepreneur was. The first time I had my own semblance of like a job I wanted to do was one time my mom made some comment about how I'd make a good teacher because I loved playing like school with my brother where I would teach him. I tutored him in school. I helped my friends all the time. And I thought, oh, teaching would be fun because you get the summers off. You know, and then as the years went on, though, I realized I don't like the whole dichotomy of teaching, you know, working for someone else and having to like be with these kids that are very germy all day. It just was not for me. So I'd say probably from like 15 onward, I had no clue what I wanted to do. People would ask me, what are you thinking for college? What are you thinking for a job? Like, what are your interests? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm trying to do life right now and I can't think about that right now. Like, I even had that mindset back then and I'm so thankful. But, you know, come around my literal senior year and all of a sudden it hit me, holy shit, I have to make a decision. So, first off, it was easy. I was going to the college closest to home, about an hour away. I was going to room with one of my best friends and that was all I knew. Then I realized, hey, I love rescuing animals I love animals. I always have. I'm not grossed out. You know, like, I can explain the story another time, but, like, I've cleaned pus and bullet wounds, and, like, the one cat I took in had, like, half its neck missing. It was insane, and I never once got grossed out. So, I was like, I should be a vet. I can make a change. You know, I don't like how some vets operate. I can be my own boss. I can help these animals. It'll be such a fulfilling job. I even knew then that I wanted something that filled my heart up. So, I found out, so I spent, like, a few months researching, like, how do you go to school to become a vet? I realized I didn't want to go the full route to be a veterinarian because, believe it or not, veterinarians actually have more debt than doctors. They have, like, a higher chance of, like, depression, like, taking on bad habits such as smoking and, like, alcoholism than doctors. And, like, th- there's a lot of bad shit associated with being a veterinarian. Like, it's just a lot. And even then, I knew that I have a predisposition, yes, to depression, to taking things too hard. I have an addictive, you know, obsessive personality. And I just, at the time, I thought, I was like, honestly, I don't know if I need to put myself through that. I've been through a lot. I don't know if I can handle all of that as well. So I decided I'd be one step down, a veterinary technologist, and then, you know, like, kind of do my thing. Well, so then I wound up switching schools, and I went to the school. I absolutely loved it, and I was, you know, excited to start something new. I wasn't certain if it was still what I wanted to do, but I was like, whatever, I'll love it either way. Senior year ends, and keep in mind, during this year, I'm trying, I'm stressed to the max with a shit ton of classes, trying to figure out, like, the, trying to, like, I'm one of those people I plan, so when I'm planning my major, I'm planning the entire rest of my life where I can get a job, how long it's going to take me, what I do in the meantime, where I'm going to move. So I'm trying to plan all that, trying to, you know, finish my senior year at top of my class, playing sports. And in this time is when, looking back now, my hep C was activated. So it was lying dormant all those years. And then that year is when it kicked into gear because come that December, January time of my senior year, I actually have pictures where at the time, I thought my skin was just weirdly yellow. Looking back now, it was like early signs of liver troubles, uh, jaundice, like the yellowing of the skin. Um, I had extreme weight loss, all these digestive issues, skin issues. Uh, You know, my body wasn't flushing toxins. I was so tired all the time. So senior year, my health issues were also so bad. So that was another layer of stress. And then, you know, senior year finish, and I probably had more stress than, like, okay, I'm not going to compare myself to people because we all have our own things, but I had a ton of stress. That summer comes around, and I suddenly realize, holy hell, I need to get my health on track. So I start easing off my exercise, switching to weight, like, strength training, started eating a shit ton more. Like, I'm talking more than my brother, who's, like, six foot, 160 pounds, like, a big time athlete, like eating more than him in a day and still not putting on weight, still feeling so shitty. And during this time, I found my first podcast. So that was the summer of 2018, I think. 
yeah, last summer, yeah, La- yeah, so sum- last summer, summer of 2018, found my first podcast, started listening, and I was hooked. Fast forward, and it's like August of that summer, I'm getting ready to go to college, I'm getting so homesick already, I don't want to leave my family, I don't want to leave my pets, um, and I've also begun to just be fascinated by health, by blogging, by podcasts, and Instagram, and I just feel like this calling, and I know I'm one of those people, like, I switched, I have so many passions, I just go to a lot of things, so I was kind of scared off, I was like, nope, 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 I'm not doing this, I'm going to college, I'm becoming a veterinary technologist, that is my path, so I went to college, and I loved the college itself, I had a roommate who was, like, like, another version of me, but just, like, more fun, (laughs) and so I loved her, I loved some of the other friends I made there, I loved the college itself, there were some really hot guys in my classes, it was close to, like, a Whole Foods, it was a small college, it was only two hours away, everything was perfect, except for the fact that it became starkingly clear that I was not passionate about the major. First off, the college kind of duped me, in that they told me I would be able to get a veterinary technologist degree, which is a step above a plain old vet tech and a step below a veterinarian. So you're still getting paid well. You're not just like cleaning out kennels. It's it's actually a decent job. Only issue is not all veterinary practices even like see it as a job. They either see the veterinarian or the vet tech. And if you're the vet tech, you're cleaning out kennels, getting paid not enough for the job you're doing. And I get to the college and I start talking to some of these older kids and they're like, yeah, no, this is not a veterinary technologist degree because you're just going to end up working as a vet tech. And so many of them told me, they're like, I wish I would have just gone for like veterinarian or something else. And all of a sudden it was hitting me and, you know, I love learning, but I was just not passionate anymore. And I think I reached burnout. I can explain it another time, but I had a ton of stress and everything come up um, in my last year of rescuing cats. I did five or six cat rescues and resulted two passed away from very hard to deal with um, circumstances. And it was a lot on me as an empath and after losing so many other people in my life. So I was just kind of in this place of burnout. Didn't want to do that field anymore. And I basically, my first week of college, had a total and complete mental breakdown of this isn't the path for me. I'm doomed to a life of this now. I need to get out before I'm stuck here. And at the same time, my physical health took a plunge. Um, it, it was really bad. You know, walking upstairs could be my workout for the day because it tired me so much. Uh, I was going to the bathroom and, you know, gut issue going to the bathroom like eight times a day. Uh, It felt like everything I ate went right through me. I was nauseous. Um, I had these horrible bags under my eyes. My body was losing weight rapidly, but my face was like swollen. My stomach was swollen. And I didn't tell, I never showed anybody that this was going on. I always put on a, you know, facade because I didn't want anyone to worry about me. I hate people worrying about me. So all this comes to an end. And that week of college, I decide I can't do this. I want to embrace this health style I want to start an Instagram. I want to start a blog and I just want to see where it takes me. And I started an Instagram, realized how much I loved it and knew I had to get out of there. So I went down, talked to some administrative people. They told me I had two days (laughs) to decide if I was certain and I could get all my money back. So I really thought about it, really talked to the people I admire most in my life, to some dear friends of mine. And I just decided, you know what? It's not worth it. If I stay here and I waste this money for something that I'm not passionate about, I will never forgive myself because I'm so, I have such a scarcity mindset around money. And I thought I can always come back. I can always go somewhere else. I am resourceful. I can do this. So I got all my money back except for about $500 that they charged me for living on campus for a week, which is fine. Got it all back, even got the scholarships back um, and was able to return those to the funds, um, and they were able to give those scholarships to other kids. Everything worked out, and I came home. So the next few months, you know, I'm just going to wrap this up, but I I did everything from meal prep, you know, little side jobs. Uh, I was starting to try to get my health under control. I realized in this time I had fallen into orthorexia, um, and that was like the first time I realized, holy hell, like I can be obsessed with health too, and I realized I needed to fix that. Um, 
I started getting the idea that I wanted to start a podcast, but I was so afraid to. So I just kept building on my blog and my Instagram. And, you know, looking back now, there was a lot of wasted time there. You know, too much time on Instagram trying to get more likes. Too much time trying to get the perfect photo that honestly was shitty anyway. Too much time trying to build a blog when blogging is just not my strong suit. Too much time worrying about others. I had such social anxiety because I knew if I went out, people were going to know me as the college dropout. You know, I had kind of had a good reputation, I guess you'd say, in my time. I ranked second in my class. Um, Everyone knew me. Like, people even said to my face, like, before this all happened that they had such high expectations for me. They were so excited to see where I went. They were so proud. And then, boom, I'm home after a week. And so I had such society, societal anxiety. I couldn't go to any family parties. And it didn't help that everybody had to ask how college was going. So I had to explain. And these older generations that I'm talking to did not understand the idea of I wasn't feeling drawn to it anymore. So I'm coming home to save the money and regroup. They come from a time of you need to stay in it. You need to make the most of it. And no one understood my health issues because I wasn't telling people about them either at this time. They could tell something was off, but I wasn't explaining why that I felt like I was dying. So fast forward, and I've also started IIN, the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, which I can give a whole other episode ranting on that. But anyway, so I took that time from last September to like December, and I just call that kind of like live in life, shit hits the fan, you know, I was, I spent money on some things I shouldn't have, you know, just different programs I thought would help and they never did. Um, you know, like stupid things like how to grow your Instagram. And it wasn't like anything cheesy or scammy. It was just like educating you on how to use hashtags and shit. But like, you know what? That doesn't help because the algorithm's always changing. So quit messing around with that and just do you. Like, That is the best advice I can give to anybody, and I'm not even one to talk because my Instagram is, like, mediocre, I'd say. But nevertheless, you know, and then what else was there? Oh, well, I did, like, Britt Berlin from the Banana Diaries. I did her 360 healing course, and that was huge because once more, that was the first time I was really, like, exposed to, like, the idea of meditation, the idea of how mental health can affect physical health, and that was a big aha waking up moment. At this time, I went to my first health and wellness retreat in San Francisco, first time traveling alone, and that was a huge growth opportunity. I had Reiki done there, and it was so powerful. I talk about it in episode, one of my first episodes, you'll see it's with Alice Chen on Reiki 101, and I share my experience with it and what I saw, what I felt. That was the most powerful thing I've ever had to the day, Um, and that really was a catalyst. I feel it blew open my doors to my soul, my heart, whatever you want to call it, and then it just kind of left them wide open and kind of set me up to be screwed up for the next few months because all this stuff, heavy emotional stuff came through, and I struggled immensely from December through to probably April. I struggled so much. My health was hitting a peak Um, you know, and in this time I realized that coming off of orthorexia, I was, as Ali Bonar from Ava Queen always says, I was overeating the healthy foods and my gut issues were so bad. My skin issues were so bad. I had no energy, couldn't work out if I wanted to because I had such low energy. I was depressed. I felt lonely. I felt like I had no purpose in life. I didn't know what the hell I wanted to do. I knew I didn't want to go to school, but I didn't know what I wanted to do instead No job around here sounded appealing at the time. Plus, more so, I just knew I couldn't work. Like, I had fatigue so bad, and I never shared this on Instagram because I don't want to come across as, like, a bitchy little baby. But, you know, there were days where I would wake up and I just, I couldn't do the day. I could not do it. I could, you know, I could hardly do anything. I didn't have, I had such brain, bad brain fog, I couldn't focus. The body fatigue was so bad that I just wanted to sleep all the time. Obviously, those together play into a lot of mental, you know, like depression. You're upset. You're questioning everything you do. And that led to me seeking comfort in food, seeking comfort and validation through Instagram. It was just a fucking black hole of badness in my life. And then, I don't know. There was just this moment. 
and I'd say it was like April or May and I was just I'd say it was it was probably like April yes probably like mid-April and I just woke up and I saw how bad I saw how bad it was and I saw how my physical health was ruining my mental health and how in turn that was ruining my relationships it was ruining my life it was ruining my ambition, my drive. It was ruining the bright and happy soul that I am. And I know I seem happy a lot or I'm laughing a lot, but I, I've i been through a lot and I know we all have, but my soul just kind of felt shattered. That wake up moment, I don't know what caused it, but something did and I realized I needed to heal myself from the inside out. And so... That led me on this crazy journey of, you know, oh, and and this time I had the podcast going. That was a big light for me. Um, And so this leads into the next stigma, which is breaking the stigma of hepatitis C. So I guess I'll start with my health history then. Going back when I was about five, six years old, my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer. It, you know, went away came back, and as she was being treated the second time around, she was in a hospital and, like, two hours away from us, and she was getting treated, and it was shortly after this that she started experiencing these weird symptoms. Long story short, she was diagnosed with hepatitis C, and we would find out that a nurse at the hospital had been, like, a user. He had been using minute amounts of patient drugs, to get, like, for himself. He had hepatitis C, the needles went back into the patients, and there was an outbreak of hepatitis C cases because of him. So, my mom took the treatments for hepatitis C on top of the cancer, so then, you know, she was doing treatment for it, came back, developed into liver cancer, and then she passed away. And that was when I was, like, nine, ten years old. So, then came my eating disorder, a lot of health, you know, with that associated. But when I was, I think, 16, I was able to donate blood for the first time. So I donated blood, and they sent us a letter saying... It was really crappy on their part. They sent us a letter saying that I had hepatitis C and couldn't donate blood. So, of course, my whole family flips out. We get tests done, and my doctors are like, Oh, no, you do not have hepatitis C. You have hepatitis C antibodies, meaning you were exposed to it, but your body fought it off and now you just have these antibodies and that's what's triggering the blood alarm because they can't let you donate blood if you have hep C. We're like, oh, that makes sense. Like somehow I must have been exposed when my mom had it. A year later and I have this thing called like Raynaud's phenomena where I lose circulation in my fingers and toes. And usually people's fingers just get like kind of white, tingly, it might be painful. Well, mine, like, lost all the blood, as in, like, I couldn't feel them at all. I couldn't use my hands. It was actually very scary. My boss drove me to the ER going way past the speed limit because my hands were completely white, and, like, you'd push down the skin, and it wouldn't bounce back, so my hands were all, like, dented in. They were completely white. There was no flow to them. I couldn't feel them. I couldn't use them. Thankfully, my friend had taken a picture. We got to the ER. They tested me, and they found that I had elevated liver enzymes, and they're like, oh, okay, like, and they figured out it was the Raynaud's phenomenon, and I asked about the liver enzymes, and they're just like, that's something that oftentimes shows up with this Raynaud's phenomenon. They were like, if, you know, if you want to, you could go see a rheumatoid, like, a rheumatologist for hand, you know, circulation health, but I really don't think your case is that severe. Sorry, I'm talking in a doctor tone. And, you know, so they just kind of sent me on my way. Fast forward, and in this time, I'm starting to develop really bad GI issues. You know, I remember the one time I called my cousin crying because I was fine, and then I ate, like, four grapes, and all of a sudden, my stomach felt like there was a basketball in it. Like, I couldn't wear my clothes because it was so swollen and bloated, and this had been happening increasingly more. So, they sent, I got in with my doctor, and they were like, they, like, felt my stomach, and they're like, you know what, I think it's just the stress, you're doing a lot, you really need to, like, look, decrease stress in your life, and at that point, I was kind of like, fuck you, it's not stress, like, something is wrong, nobody would listen to me, and, you know, in this time, I've always, like, I always remember having fatigue, 
but not as bad as it, you know, has been of recent. And then also I had had my period for like four months and then it went away. So I knew something was off with that and that was worrying me. So then come senior year, we're picking up there again. And it was, I was doing a lot. I was on, I was getting my lifeguard certification. So I was swimming miles each day. I was also playing soccer as a midfield. If you know that position at all, I was averaging like three to four miles each game and running. So my body was physically being taxed. I was mentally taxed from school. I was emotionally drained after losing my aunt, who was a second mother to me just that past summer. I had lost a kitten, rescue kitten, in a very dramatic and horrible way. I, you know, was losing friendships. I was a hot mess. Hot mess express. And in this time, I decided to go vegetarian. Perfect mix, eh? So it was towards the end of my soccer season and all of a sudden I had this like two-week span where, and a lot of people who go vegetarian or like hardcore vegan experience this, but I did not have like a bowel movement for like two weeks. My stomach was bloated 24-7. I would eat one saltine with peanut butter and have to run to the bathroom to be like gagging, but I couldn't throw up because I had wasn't able to eat anything for days. It was getting real bad and I couldn't play soccer and I went to my doctor and, you know, once more they told me it was stress and at that point I really was pissed off, knew it wasn't, started researching more, realized this can happen with a transition into a plant-based diet and I started to eat meat again for a few weeks. That got my digestion back on track and then I went vegetarian again and then I'd say it was that December of... 2017 going into January 2018 so my senior year of high school and my health just woo hit its plateau so from January 2018 to about I'd say that May June I would lose about 25 pounds it was insanity it just melted off me like I just it was one of those things where you don't notice it till all of a sudden you look down and none of my clothes fit and I didn't know what was going on. My face felt like swollen. I had these horrible bags under my eyes. I had no energy. Like I said, like I couldn't even, like going up the stairs was a lot of work. I'd come home. I couldn't even talk like to my brother and my dad because I would so, be so tired that the idea of talking to them was like the equivalent of running a marathon. I could not do it. And I know that sounds dramatic, but I swear to God, I could not. And I'm trying to think what else. Oh, gut issues, extremely bad going back and forth between the two extremes of gut issues, you know what I mean, bloating, occasional nausea, it was horrible. And, you know, keep in mind, I was eating a lot because I was so alarmed at how much weight I was losing. Went to a doctor once more. They did nothing but, like, examine my stomach, like, press on it once more. Said it was stress. Said they, like, advised I eat a bit more. And I was, you know, at that time, I was just like, F off. So once more, like I said before, I went into that summer between high school and college and somewhere in there it kind of, so like I started weight training more, started eating, I'd say better, you know, more nutrient-packed meals, but still eating like a ton, still experiencing all the same issues. I mean, the fatigue was so bad, you know, like I started all the, I'd be fine and then I'd be driving somewhere and I had to pull over because I would fall asleep while driving. Uh, I've never admitted that to anyone before because I didn't want to scare anyone. It's overdone now. I don't have that anymore, but um, it happened quite a bit and it would come out of nowhere. So it wasn't like I was, you know, intentionally doing it. It was just a really bad time in my life. Um, and that continued until I'd say this past spring 2019. I finally got in with a functional med doctor named Dr. Will Cole based out of Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. He works with people such as Gwyneth Paltrow uh, and A-list celebrities. He works all over the country. He is very hard to get into. He took my case because I was showing so many symptoms at such a young age. He wanted to work with me, so very expensive to even get like a consultation with him. Expensive to get all this blood work, all this like stool samples, gut, you know, to analyze the gut, hair samples, saliva, everything. Got back the results and there was like five different markers showing I had some sort of infection or I had a past infection that might be reactivated. 
Um, I had like tons of mineral and vitamin deficiencies. My hormones were all in a postmenopausal stage. I had signs of autoimmune condition, like with my thyroid being off. Um, liver enzymes were very much elevated once more. And so he starts talking and he wanted me to do a supplement regimen of like 30 pills a day. I'm not even joking. I counted them and do that for like three to four months and then retest everything to see what it was. And I'm like, hell no. Like, yeah, the symptoms are bad, but there is a root cause. Like, look at all those markers that there is an infection in my body. Like, there has to be something. I knew there was a root cause. I knew that something was causing these symptoms. And, but he just, he was like, I'm sorry. This is like what I would do. So I ordered the supplements through him and then I kind of ditched them because you had to get the supplements through a like person with a certification. So I kind of used them, got the supplements, ditched them did the supplements on my own, helped manage my symptoms, but as soon as supplements were gone, symptoms hit and they hit even worse. In this time that I was doing the supplement rounds, I had started researching and I had an inkling of a feeling that it could be a few things. It could be PCOS, which would account for hormone, some pain I was having between like my, you know, that area, and like with the gut issues and keep in mind during this time I'd switched my metabolism had switched and instead of rapidly losing weight I was gaining weight and which is not a problem but when you know it's from something else it can be very frustrating so I thought it could be PCOS it could be hepatitis C it could be lupus or it could be like Hashimoto's or some sort of autoimmune thing like that with the thyroid that's what I thought personally but I didn't know So in this time, I go on a trip to Texas with two of my best friends through Instagram, Kaylee and Casey. Shout out if you're listening. I love you both. And when we went to Dallas to stay with Casey, I knew her husband was a dermatologist, which doesn't mean anything to me because skin doesn't have anything to do with my issues, right? So the one night we're making dinner and God bless Casey, she's like asking her husband, Andy, questions about like how I could help my skin because I I was getting these breakouts which I've never had acne in my life until these health issues started popping up I thought they were related to my gut and they are but still and I had it pretty under control though but she knew how much it upset me so we were just like talking the one night while making dinner and she starts asking Andy about like my health issues and so I kind of give him a rundown of like my health issues and for some reason like I don't know, Casey brought up something about lupus or something, like, weird. Like, I don't know why she thought of that. And Casey, if you're listening, please message me because, like, it's still to the day. Surprises me. But when she said lupus, that reminded me that I had forgot to tell Andy the most important part, which was the part of how elevated my liver enzymes were and the fact that six years prior or no, four or five years prior, I had tested positive for hepatitis C antibodies. And so keep in mind now, a dermatologist, I found out, does a lot more than just skin. They still have to learn everything a doctor does. They know the systems, you know, they know a bit of rheumatology, whatever. And so when I just kind of casually, I was like, oh yeah, and a few years ago, I tested positive for hep C antibodies, but you know, that they just said they were antibodies. And he immediately, I saw his face change. And it was the most eerie second because I saw his face change and I knew like, oh geez. And he's like, so he proceeded to ask me about why I would have like hep C antibodies. I explained the story with my mom. We started talking some more and suddenly he was very concerned and I was getting a little freaked out. And he was like adamant that I see a professional, like a specialist doctor He was advising for the rheumatology just with my Raynaud's and the liver things. They're actually connected. Um, So I was kind of freaked out, but I was like, okay, well, at least like he's giving me a lead. So when I got home from Texas, I called and I meant to call the rheumatology department of a local hospital chain, UPMC. But instead, for some reason, I got sent to the liver center and you know, I was like, oh, I don't think this is the right place. And she had me explain my issues. And she's like, well, I'll just get you in with a doctor here. And 
I, I was like, you know what? Screw it. I don't know. And, you know, maybe this is better anyway. So I go down there and first visit, I'm all by myself. I didn't tell like anybody I was doing this except for like Casey and Kaylee and a few others. Didn't tell my dad till the day of, just went down there on my own, you know, drove two hours, went down there and went into this doctor and explained all my symptoms, explained my past. And she basically like, she didn't diagnose me, but she told me I had the possibility of having three different progressive terminal illnesses related to the liver. And that freaked me the fuck out because there I am, 19, (laughs) sitting there all by myself at my wit's end with these health issues. And suddenly she's like making sense of everything I've told her. And she's like pretty darn sure it's one of these three diagnoses. And I like practically started crying right then and there but I held myself together and, you know, I just thought, you know what, this is, this is it. Like, life has given me so much too and this is just the next thing. Like, I've always been ready for the next punch and I thought, you know what, I'm just going to make the most of it. That's life, right? And so it was during that time I'd started to start looking, like, do I want to attend college in the fall? Do I want to move somewhere? Do I want to get a job doing this or that? And when she gave me those diagnoses in early June, I just dropped it all. I was like, I'm only doing that for external validation. I want to be able to tell people this is what I'm doing this fall. I have these big plans. And then I thought, and you know what? If this is a progressive terminal disease, I'm not wasting any time doing anything that doesn't fill me up. And so the testing would span out for the next two months where I lived with the possibility of knowing I could be diagnosed with a progressive terminal illness. And, you know, there was still the spark that it could be hep C, but even so, that's not necessarily the best. In this time, I, you know, was kind of getting a manage on my symptoms, and you wouldn't be able to outwardly tell that I was suffering. And I've done a lot, though. Like, if I break my routine for two days, I feel like shit. It was hard to, you know, remind these doctors that something is very wrong. So we did the testing, got the results back, and I did show signs for autoimmune markers. So there's the possibility for more. We won't be able to tell for the next few months. But the main problem and what I have right now is chronic hep C. A typical hep C marker is anything below 15, you are fine. A little bit over and it might be like a false reading caused by something else. My reading was over 11 million it was kind of raging in my body. And it was funny because I would wonder what my markers were if they had done it during my senior year when I practically felt like I was dying because I that had to been when it was triggered. And, you know, and it's been kind of a long road, but basically I had, I must have had the hep C since all that time ago when my mom, before my mom died, so about nine, 10 years now, and it was lying dormant, which is why I had the hep C antibodies. And now it is raging in my body, throwing a big party and causing lots of inflammation and joint pain and gastrointestinal issues, fatigue, insomnia, the brain fog, everything I've been feeling. So, you know, I guess that's an answer. Uh, so anyway, since it's chronic and I've had it for so long, you can't treat it like you typically would. So I'm on this like I guess, specialty drug treatment. And if you know me, you know I hate Western medicine, but I have no choice. So I'm taking this and it is and it is three pills once a day for eight weeks. I cannot miss a single day. Otherwise, it might compromise the entire thing. And the idea is that it's like an antiviral. It goes in and it basically clears the hep C from my blood. So it would take care of the fact... So when the hep C is like still active in my blood, my body is constantly trying to fight it off which is what causes the inflammation, the symptoms, everything. If this works and it clears it from my blood, technically, my body will quit attacking itself. Symptoms should clear out. And most importantly, my blood is safe. If it doesn't work, I don't know what the next step is, but clearing the hep C from my blood means that I am no longer contagious and... FYI, the only way I am contagious is if we do a Harry Potter style blood pact. So imagine I cut my palm, you cut your palm, 
we smash our palms together, smash them all in there, and we make a blood pact, like they do in Harry Potter, to never harm each other. Well, see, when you do that, you're getting my blood infused directly into yours, and then you have the potential for getting hepatitis C from me. So, do not do that. But, just being near me is not going to give you hep C. I can still prepare food. I can still mainly function like a normal human. The only other thing is that with hep C, I could not have children or, you know, an actual relationship with someone with the whole blood thing, which would be sad indeed. So hopefully this treatment works and clears the hep C from my blood. Once it is over, we will retest for the autoimmune factors and see where that goes. But as of now, I don't know if I missed anything, but that's my health journey. And hep C, you know, hits the bad rap from a lot of times it is spread from various sexual activities, from drug use, sharing needles. You know, if you kind of go somewhere for tattoos that don't properly care for their needles, I've done none of those. It's actually funny because the doctors ask me how they think I got it. I've been asked this question like 15 times now, and I just want to laugh in their face because if you know me, it is hilarious. I did not start swearing until my junior year of high school. I have never done drugs, unless you count probiotics. I'm jo- okay, that was a bad joke. I'm sorry. Um, you know, I, I do not party. I've never even had a boyfriend. I've like talked with a few guys and then they just fall off the face of the earth, which is fine. We're all fine, right? Who needs love anyway? So like I, I've never gotten a tattoo, even though I've wanted to, but only at these like super clean places. So everyone is boggled. And it hit me the other day that flashback to my past. When my mom, when I was young, my mom didn't really have the mindset of, hey, I should, you know, I need to teach you how to shave your legs and all that because she was battling so much health-wise. She was still working full-time. She was trying to, like, take care of my brother, my dad, and I. And that just kind of got put in the back burner and I didn't bug her about it. But then she passed away and I needed to shave my legs before gym class so that I wasn't that girl. Well, little old me did not know sanitary guidelines. So I pulled my step stool over, got up, and I start looking in the bathroom cupboard that I could never reach unless I had the stool. And for good reason. Because when I started looking in there, I found a razor. And I could tell it was like a girl razor. It wasn't my dad's. And it looked fine to me, you know? Like, it looked clean to me. But it was not in its package. And I'm assuming that meant it was used. So I remember the first few times I shaved, I used that because I was too young to go to the store. There was no way in hell I was asking my dad to get me a razor. Like, that is so embarrassing. For me, it was. And I live in a little village where there are literally no stores. We have to drive 10 minutes to get to school, work, you know, stores. And I just couldn't do it. So I used that razor. And as anybody knows, the first few times shaving, you are a hot mess express. And I can almost guarantee, I I know, like, the first few times I shaved, my legs would always be, like, bloody, like, around my ankles, like, a mess, you know? And I put, like, band-aids on and tried to make, play it cool so my dad wouldn't notice I had, like, band-aids on my legs. So, who put the pieces together? That is where I probably got hepatitis C on accident from my mother, who was wrongly infected, you know? So, that's just my health journey, and like I said, I kind of say it all with a laugh now because... There's just, you you can't take it too seriously. If you do, you'll go down a dark, dark hole and it'll be hard to find that light again. If you can stay in the light and you can just take it as it is and know that this is a lesson, it is an opportunity for growth, you will not fall down the rabbit hole. And I've done that one too many times in my life to let it happen again. I cannot return to that place of depression I cannot return to that place of such utter sadness, loneliness, and feeling so lost. So people ask me what I do, and my answer is I am living. I am taking each day in the present moment, and no, I am not, (laughs) I'm not making money, and I am not in school, and I am not doing anything that society might see as great and amazing, but I am doing my best. I'm healing my body after 10 years of abusing it through disordered eating, through unknown hep C, 
through overexercise, through restrictive and overeating. I am healing 10 years of physical wounds and I'm healing probably 16 years of emotional trauma and I am living my life. I'm taking it day by day. I am running my Instagram and podcast that fill my heart with so much joy, that connects me with so many people. I'm making friends through Instagram that care about me more than most people in my day-to-day life do. Not my family, you know, my family loves me, but I've lost a lot of friends in my personal life and Instagram has been a great way to connect with new people who check in on me every week and who send me text messages and who know when I struggle and when I need some words of encouragement. And, you know, I'm, I'm building. I, you know, said this to my dad the other night, but I may not be doing what society sees as something successful. I may be a college quote-unquote dropout. I may be a chronic hep C patient. I may be a small-town girl with not much, or so it appears to be not much, but I'm building, and I am growing. And I'm just saying that big things are coming. I can feel it, and I've had others tell me so too. I'm building something that will last, and I'm building something that will reach so many hearts and connect to so many people. And I'm building a foundation beneath me that will one day provide me with something so much greater than any label society could put on me. And so I thank you for listening to the podcast, whether it's every other week, every week, maybe only a few episodes. And I thank you for listening to this episode, for hearing me out and listening to me ramble through my, my little tornado of a life. I thank you for supporting me on Instagram, supporting me through text and messages, and just showing up time and time again for the hard work I put into this. And I thank you for being a part of this community and providing me a safe space to share, to connect, and to feel loved and appreciated, which is something I've struggled with a lot. And I thank you for being here with me now, and I only hope you will continue to grow alongside me. Now that, my friends, is the end of this discussion, and I am going to sign off. I truly hope you took some little snippet away from this, and I'd love to hear your thoughts. I truly, truly would. So with much love and much appreciation, bye.